0: Welcome to NRP's Leadership Conference Podcast. Every February, pastors and leaders from around the country gather together at our Leadership Conference for dynamic teaching, powerful worship, impartation, ministry, and covenant relationships. Here's one of the recordings from our 2023 Leadership Conference.
1: What a joy to be here. How many of you guys are enjoying the conference? Come on, somebody. What a powerful time. So, uh... Really, the simplicity of the message is really just to talk about how do we build teams. And, and we have just over the years, there's, there's not a, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to do that, correct? Uh, and so, what I'm going to share with you today is really just kind of a method and a model that we've used that has been successful for us. And as you guys know, we're always learning, we're always growing. I mean, if you, if you walked away from yesterday's sessions and didn't have something to add to your tool belt and go home and pray about and evaluate how you're doing what you're doing, You probably weren't listening to what was being said by Pastor John, and then uh, Pastor Chris just poured the Holy Ghost fire on top of it last night, so what a a blessing that was. So the four things, four simple things I believe it takes to create a healthy, growing team, and one of the things that we talked about in that lesson is that the health of your church and the growth of your church is going to be directly connected to the health and the growth of your teams. Uh, If you don't have healthy, growing ministry teams, then you won't have a healthy, growing church. And when you think about your church and you think about the ministries in your church that are really growing, that are producing results, that are, that are seeing people come to Christ, making disciples, pushing the needle, so to speak, across the, across the, the line there and, and the ball down the field, when you look at those ministries, you recognize those ministries that are producing fruit are healthy and growing. Uh, they've got strong teams and you've got a leader that's making a difference. So the four things, number one, is a clearly defined leader. So if you're going to have a healthy, strong, growing team, you're going to have to have a clearly defined leader. I heard a quote years ago that says this, anything with two heads is a monster. And early in the ministry, I made the mistake uh, really out of insecurity, just to be honest with you, and out of of people pleasing. Early in my ministry, uh, I didn't like to tell people no. Uh, and I wasn't near as confident as pastor John knew was yesterday. I mean, he, he's really got it figured out, but I, I I did not have that in my, uh, in my arsenal when I started in the ministry. And so a lot of times I would set in people in the ministry and I'd have these co-leaders or I'd have two people leading the show. And that always bit me, uh, in the long run, it never worked. It never produced lasting fruit. Now, we, we believe in apprenticeship, and we talk a little bit about that. We might hit some of that later. But uh, but the idea is you've got to have a clearly defined leader. You've got to have somebody that you name them, right? We, we talked about Ephesians 4, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The apostle Paul kind of clarified, here's the leaders. Here here's, here's the gifts. Here's the leaders. Here's the positions. And this is the person we're going to put in. And even as we saw yesterday, Jesus named those men as apostles. He chose them, and he named them. And so when you think about your ministry, you've got to have that clearly defined leader because all of a sudden that, that creates a lot of different things that happens. Uh, as we learned yesterday, again, just from Pastor John, that you've got to recognize that I've got to be investing in the right people. And then I've got to be spending time. Am I, am I spending time with the multitude, uh, which is really a scattered gun approach, or am I investing in the people that are investing in the people that are doing the work of the ministry? And if you want to see multiplication, you, you can't minister to the multitude personally. Uh, you can love them and minister to them, but you've got to disciple the few, and you've got to invest in that leader. So when you have that clearly defined leader, now you know, who am I going to meet with? And so we have a, a, a clearly defined strategy of, of how we meet with people. I meet with our key leaders, uh, and we have seven of them. You want me to go ahead and name those seven? Uh, I'll go ahead and name We have seven, what we call our seven pillars of liberty. Most churches have those. Really simple. It's children's ministry. It's youth ministry. It's adult discipleship. It's worship. Uh, for us, we have Celebrate Recovery. That's maybe unique to, to, to some, of the, some of our churches. Uh, we do, we're big in local outreach, and then we're big in world missions. And so those are seven areas of ministry, and I, we call those our seven pillars. Come hell or high water, we're going to do those seven things. Uh, We may do some other things that we would call support ministry, but we're going to do those seven things, and we're going to do them with excellence, and we're going to do them well, and so I have a clear leader for each of those. So it begins with clearly defining that leader, and then I know I'm going to meet with that leader. I'm going to meet with them once a month personally uh, because I want to, number one, I want to uh, invest in the people that are investing in the people. I want to empower them. I want to equip them. And so I, I personally meet with those seven leaders once a month, and then I bring them all together corporately once a month because I want them to have a bigger vision. So I tell people, you ought to think your ministry is the most important ministry on the planet, right? If you're, if you're a children's pastor, you should think children's ministry is the most important ministry on That's the planet, good. right? You should think that way. But at the end of the day, your ministry is not the most important ministry on the planet because we're building a church, but you ought to believe that. So I want to invest in you individually and I want to fan the fire of what is in you for childrens or youth or adult or worship, whatever it is. And then I want to bring you together once a month with the other leaders so you can get a bigger picture. So my ministry is the most important ministry, but it's not really the most important ministry because I'm a part of something bigger than me. And, and that's huge. And so I, I want my children's ministry people to believe children's ministry. I want my youth people to, to believe youth ministry. And so I, I, want, I want that in their heart. But I also want them to know they're a part of something bigger. Um, So we kind of have that flow. So that clearly defined leader. And then you need a clearly defined vision or mission. You just need to clearly define that. And most of our churches, right, have a mission statement. We have a vision statement. And and that's awesome. And we, we actually live by ours. So we, 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 we actually, when we say our vision statement, it's really simple. We're going to reach out and raise up. We elaborate on that. We say we're going to reach out into a broken, hurting world. We're going to raise people up in their full potential in Christ. Reaching out, raising up is how we say it quickly. And then our mission statement is how are we going to do that? How are we going to reach out and raise up? Well, we're kind of old school. We like to say we're going to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil.
2: I love it. Say it again. I love
1: we're we're going to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. I like beating up on the devil. You know, so uh, that's not as crisp and cool as a lot of the mission statements I hear out there, but it's clear. And, and I learned a long time ago, and you guys know this, our job as leaders, we're, we're not always right, but we've always got to be clear. And we need to do everything we can to be clear. So we're just very clear. We're going to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. That is what drives us. That is what we're going to do every day, all day, any day. And then we take that vision statement, that clearly defined mission and vision, and then we bring it down. So we've got to personalize that. Because what does winning souls, making disciples, destroying the works of the devil look like for children's ministry? That's good. Listen. And then what does that look like for Celebrate Recovery ministry? Because... Celebrate recovery ministry and children's ministry is going to look a little different.
2: <laughs> hopefully.
1: And and so once, hopefully, praise the Lord. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I know
2: we got some cultural challenges, but hopefully. Hopefully.
1: So, so we drill that down into each of those seven pillars and we challenge them. So we're going to we're going to think about, we're going to talk about, and then we're going to clearly define what does that look like. So again, you, you guys have heard about metrics. You've got to be able to measure it. And if you can't measure it, then you don't know if you're winning or losing. And, and we're about to watch the Super Bowl this coming week, and I know we got some uh, Chiefs fan, there's er, 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 my brother in here, come on. All I can say is go Jalen Hurts. But anyway, so. Somebody's uh, got to be a Chief fan. And, and so at the end of the day, nobody in this room would watch the Super Bowl if they weren't going to keep score. Nobody wants to come at the end of the day and say, who won? Well, I don't know who won, but they played really hard.
2: <laughs> Woo. We,
1: we, we don't care that they played really hard. We care who won. And if you don't have a clear vision and mission, and then if you don't qualify that for each area of ministry, then how do you know if you're winning or losing? How do, you, how do you know what it looks like if we're pushing the ball down the field? How do you know when we score a touchdown or kick a field goal or we get an extra point? How do you know that? Well, if you don't clearly define that and break that down into different aspects of your ministry, then then you don't know if you're winning or losing. And what's exciting about that is once you clarify that, and I allow my leaders to be leaders, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, uh, and I allow them with some input from me to clarify that because they're in the trenches, right? They know what a win in children's ministry looks like. They know what a win in worship ministry looks like. They know what a win in missions looks like. And so I help them clarify that, and they really bring the meat of that to the table. And then all of a sudden, that becomes the standard by which I hold them accountable, because they just defined this is what winning looks like and this is what losing looks like. So when I meet with them individually once a month, I can say, "Are we winning and losing according to your standard? You said this is winning. You said this is losing. So how many wins did we have this month? Are, are we are we moving forward? Are we making progress? We say progress is success, you know. So we're trying to just see some progress, and so, so we want to know: Are we making progress? Sometimes we're not. That's, that's not always a bad thing, right? It means we've got to adjust some things. We've got to step back. We've got to do something different. What we're doing is not working. Or maybe we just got to keep doing it and it's, we've not done it long enough to produce fruit. But we've got to evaluate those things. So all of a sudden, that clearly defined vision and mission broken down into a personal team base. Every team should have a clear definition of what that looks like for them. And then all of a sudden then we can measure those wins and we can see where do we need to make adjustments so if i don't know if we're winning or losing what i don't know what to make adjustments
2: let me ask you a question about the the clarity of the vision let's say for the children's ministry do they initiate that do you initiate that do you give them something and have them fill? like what has been your process because i see a lot of people's they just turn it into a job description which is important like we got to do this but a, the broader mission statement, how is that being developed in those other ministries? So, so
1: we I
2: really place the burden on them as leaders
1: to develop that. Again, because I believe they're in the trenches so they can qualify and quantify a win better than I can. Because uh, they know what it means for that youth or that child or that person in Celebrate Recovery or that person in our Grow track. What does that really mean for them to win? And so I really put a lot of that on them. Actually, I've just got a challenge, so this Sunday we have our uh, leaders meeting with all of our leaders, and our homework, that's one of the things I do with our leaders is they get homework every month. Our homework for this month is we're going into a brand new year, and so I wanted them to requalify that. So their homework this, is this coming month, this Sunday, is they're going to turn into me, what is, what is a win? What does it look like for us to win souls? What does it look like for us to make disciples? Soul winning, that's kind of maybe the easy one, right? Somebody gets born again, they're born again, that's, that's awesome. But what does it look like for us to make disciples? And what does it look like for us to store the works of the devil?
2: In the context of In what the context of
1: their ministry, yeah. of their ministry. So, so the challenge, so we're going to take a fresh look at that just this week. And then what I'll do, they'll submit that in this week. And then when I meet with them this coming month, mm-hmm. then me and them are going to just process through that together.
2: Okay. So you gave us the first point. Just give us those next All three right. points. All right. on so the, on the so
1: clearly defined leader, clearly defined vision, and then a clearly defined process. And then a leader that leads is the last
2: one. Okay. Say it again.
1: So a clearly defined leader, a clearly defined vision, a clear process, a clearly defined process, and a leader who leads.
2: Mm-hmm. So let me ask a loaded question here. Who qualifies clear? I would say I probably get to qualify clear. Okay.
1: I qualify clear. Now, I have a team of, cor- of people, of course, around me, and, and I don't make... You know decisions, and as an island by myself. So we have a team of people, but really, I I like to use that team leader. Again, they're a leader, mm-hmm. so leaders are intended to to grow, multiply, and build. Mm-hmm. And so I use that leader. So we we clarify that really together. At the end of the day, I kind of have the final step stamp right. that says, "Hey, this is clear enough yeah. that we can at least begin to to move forward on it."
2: This is kind of a little segue. It's yeah. not in our notes, so we talked about. Gee, that's a surprise. <laughs> huh? but it, do do you find that most people on the first go around tend to overcomplicate that? Yeah, I think we
1: definitely probably overcomplicate it. I, I, I think natural tendency as we get in this thing and, and people. I've, I've got a couple uh, new leaders on my team, and so uh, they've they've they're they're eager and excited. they done submitted their mm-hmm. their, their their homework to me. And so I was reading over it this past week and looking at it, and, and we're going to have to work on it, you know. Uh, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. To me, that's exciting. Uh, number one, they've never done that before. Yeah. They're, they're in a new position of leadership they've never been in before. And yeah. so we're going to work together. Yeah. So, you know, I, I get excited about, I mean, I'm always growing and learning. I get around you guys, and I get challenged. I come to a conference, and I realize, man, I'm missing it in so many areas. I've got to make some adjustments. I've got to grow. I've got to change. And so that doesn't bother me. If, if they're not willing to grow and change, that bothers me.
2: Okay. So, you, let's, let's go to this next one, and I think Pastor John dropped a couple bombs on people. I really like the way he used the terminology. He said, I'm not looking for people to do a job, I'm looking for people to take authority. Now I think most pastors, the hair on the back of the neck goes up when they hear something like that. So let's, we're going to cover this question in two phases. Okay. Because when I listen to it, and Keith and I have talked about this. I said, listen, this is, this is really something we have to have a dialogue about. So how do you deal, like, with the responsibility authority? This was already in our notes. I'm, huh? I'm glad we're addressing something. <laughs> like, I feel like we, like, you know, like we actually knew what we were doing here for a minute. You know, uh, like, how do you address the responsibility and authority thing? How does that work out in those teams?
1: So, so my concept is when I have that clearly defined leader, I give them authority. Um, and authority always brings responsibility, but responsibility doesn't always bring authority. So when I empower somebody, I want to empower them with authority to do the job that they're being asked to do, to fulfill the mission, to push the ball down down the field. And so the realization is, if we're not careful, if we just delegate responsibility and we don't delegate authority, we create managers. And we need managers in our churches, right? We need people. But the the job of a manager is to maintain. A manager manages what you've created. A leader creates something that hasn't existed before. And I need leaders. Now, I need managers, and I've got a lot of awesome managers around me that are a whole lot smarter than me, right? That, That handle, that manage. Yeah the systems, the processes that we have in place. But when it comes to those key people, those ministry leaders, I want somebody that's not just gonna manage what we got. I don't wanna be a year from now and we're the same size we were a year ago, we're doing the same thing we did a year ago and nothing's really changed. I wanna know that we're growing, that we're innovating, that we are reaching people we've not reached, that we're uh, uh, touching people we've never touched before. And we're enlarging the territory. So I have to give them authority to do that. Now, when I give them authority, there's, there's some clear responsibility that goes with that. They understand their job description. Mm -hmm. This is your ministry role. This is job description. And once I give them authority, uh, and I think I may heard pastor Rick, uh, say this, um, at our last Bob conference, him or somebody else said, I'm gonna give it a credit pastor Rick. If if you like it, you can take it. If not, it wasn't him. So, um, somebody said, maybe it was pastor Rick that when you give somebody authority, you don't have to give them, they, they no longer need our permission. A lot, of, a lot of ministries bottleneck because everything has to flow back through. So we give them, quote,
2: authority, but then they can't make any decisions without running it by us. So here would be a good litmus test. If I'm leading something and I have somebody that I feel fairly comfortable with that I've delegated something to, and they keep coming back to me with little questions, mm-hmm. there's they don't feel empowered. They don't feel empowered. That's exactly right. Okay.
1: And, and I found out most of the time that's my fault. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They they don't feel empowered. Now, once I have a couple conversations and I try to get me out of the way mm-hmm. and make sure they fully understand they are empowered. If they keep coming back to me, yeah. well, then I recognize maybe they're not the person for the job, right? Maybe they're not a leader. Maybe they are a manager, and maybe I need to move them into a management role instead of a leadership role. That's pushing pushing the, the, the barrier
2: of where we're going. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's you know I think that's huge. Great. Okay. So this begs the follow-up question. Okay, Have you ever made a mistake putting (laughs) the wrong person in authority? How long do we have? I heard about this guy that did that one time. I wasn't sure if that ever happened to you. Uh, A lot. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. So I, I think one of the things that I heard yesterday that was encouraging to me from pastor John was, you know, as we empower people, uh, there's always a risk. You know, we need to do our due diligence. We, we have a process. So we have a, we have a process any person goes through before they ever even are what we consider qualified to be considered for that leadership role. So they've got to work through a process to get there. Uh, but once they get there uh, and they work through that process, and then we feel like, hey, this is a person God has for that place, and we begin to empower them to go into that place, um, man, there's there's been times I've, de- I've definitely missed it, you know. And, and something I'll just say um, is most of the time, I think here's a good check for us. I, I think the tendency is when I miss it by putting the wrong person in the wrong place, my first tendency is to think there's something wrong with them. Woo. You know, well, they're just not doing their job, and they're they're not passionate, and they're not really committed, and they're not faithful and capable. And I always like to add another F: fruitful. Uh, and so, man, I, you know, they're just they're just not doing it. And I, I my natural tendency is is I just think they're the problem, and in reality, I'm the problem. And so, I've got to recognize that. I've got to recognize that I really don't have the wrong person. I've got the right person in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Because if we believe the Word of God, then the Word of God says that God has created the body to fit together perfectly where every part does its own special work, and therefore we all healthy and growing. And so uh, the hardest thing, and Pastor John made reference to it, the hardest thing is having to remove somebody out of leadership. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing is having to make a transition. Um, And you know, uh, I've had to apologize and say, you know what, I'm I'm sorry. Um, You know, I, I really felt like this was a fit for you and a place for you. And I don't feel like you're thriving and growing here. Do you? And they usually don't. They're like, I kind of hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's not fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, ministry is not always fun. We know Mm. that. But when you're operating in that grace that God's Mm. giving you, there should be a joy from the Lord that comes, even when it's really, really, really hard.
2: Right. So, you have a set process that would measure things like character, church commitment, spiritual growth. That before you just don't look at a person's gifting or their charisma or whatever. You, I mean, you actually have a set process before you like turn them loose. We, we do, yes, okay. sir. Okay. Uh, so, let me make this statement, and you tell okay. me if you think this is accurate. I think because pastors are spiritual people, we're spiritual leaders that I think sometimes we are more, we act more intuitively or subjectively, which looks like the same thing, and then there's a failure with a person, we can't identify why why it failed.
1: Yeah, that, that's good, and, and, and the truth is, I wish I could always say I knew why it failed, yeah. but I don't, absolutely I don't. Um, but I, I do think as I look back, because there is a process there and because there are some checks and balances that we have in place, and, and we, use, we use an apprenticeship model, which has been very helpful for us, you know, apprenticing somebody under a leader uh, where they get to work in the trenches, where they get to shadow that person, where they get to put their hands to the plow, uh, and, and trying to trying to do that process, a lot of times that kind of clarifies some things before you ever get to that point. Uh, of, of empowering them uh, but a- absolutely I think that happens to us a lot and I think when you do have a process it does help you to identify yeah. what what was what was the missing link
2: here and then how do we make that adjustment when I listened to your message and I listened to it a bunch of times you know uh, because it was just ministered to me and was it was encouraging to me you, you there was a part in there where you kind of did a heart like flow when you talked about building teams you said this really helps us so people don't fall through the gap and uh, so it really showed me that you know you're not just looking about like getting the job done yeah. and i think sometimes we can you know and there is a job to be done and I, I don't think we should ever apologize for our vision period ever uh, but when you said by building the team structure that people coming to church don't fall through the gap Tell me what was in your heart when you said that, and and how does that work at Liberty Church?
1: So I think what it does is having that clear process of how people uh, assimilate in the church, how they connect in the church, how they join the church, how they become a part of the ministry in the church, uh, having a clearly defined process for that to happen. Um, That process is not a substitute for uh, relationships, It's not a substitute for us relationally connecting, caring, nurturing, loving people. Uh, But what it does, it does kind of create a safety net where we have a little process here where we can at least plug people in. Now, everybody doesn't plug in. Um, And we try to love on them and encourage them and, and build relationships with them. And many times the relationship happens first, and then they get in the process. But sometimes people come into the church and they get in the process. Uh, they go through the process of, of our, what we consider our membership class, you know, our connection track, we call it, and, and that, that begins to be a place that they then begin to build relationships, and they begin to connect with people, uh, and, and we're not talking about hundreds of people or even tens and twenties of people, we're talking a few people every month. That are coming through this process, you know, two or three people. I mean, on you know, big month we might have five people, and we're super excited. We got five new people going through the process of. But you, of,
2: you, you, run it. It's going to run. It's
1: running 12, 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we we did not do it that way. So we start out. We've we've evolved and changed over the over the years, of course. And we used to have a process that about every every six months you could kind of connect in and join, and and we just realized that people were falling through the gap. Uh, they come in and miss that six-month mark and now they got they just come into church a, a week late and now they got to wait six whole months before they can go through you know any kind of process to become a member to begin to serve to get involved um, in in ministry teams and so uh, it, it just it created a gap mm-hmm. that uh, that people fell through mm-hmm. and even though we were again relationally connected to them which was which is good if we're a relational church um you know, it. sometimes they would relationally connect and then they'd get a little frustrated because I've got three more months before I can do anything. Uh, and I want to serve and I want to get involved and I want to be a part of what God's doing here. Uh, and so we had to make those
2: adjustments. And we didn't make them quickly, so I was slow. So as a team leader, whose responsibility is it for them to get members for their team? The team leader's responsibility. So, yeah, they're, they're responsible. When
1: I meet with that team leader individually during the month, of course, if, if, I, if I've discovered somebody of potential, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best. I'm not withholding information. I'm trying to connect them, and I'm trying to help them. Hey, have you thought about this person? Hey, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. They really seemed interested in, in media, or they seemed interested in worship, whatever. And so I try to, to build that bridge there. But it's their responsibility at the end of the day. Uh, they're responsible for
2: building their teams. Right. Now, one of the things I love about Liberty Church is, to me, like, when you're in that atmosphere, like, it's very clear what the next step is for everybody. Yeah. You know, so I love that. Like, like people don't have to figure out, like, what do I got to do here to grow? Or what do I got to do to be a small group leader? Or what do I got to do to be part of—like, it's, like, very evident. This is the next step you take. Yeah. So, as far as them connecting to those seven areas, those seven right. teams— Those seven teams— like, I come to church on a Sunday morning. I, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, a, a church with yeah. the Holy Spirit movement and missions. You know, people come for one thing, but the Lord has another idea. <laughs> so what, whatever the scenario may be, they're right. coming through the door. How is the team thing first introduced to them?
1: It, it's, we, it's a part of a video announcement. Um, it's, uh, there's an initial verbal announcement that's a welcome, uh, and then there's a video announcement that happens uh, every week. Every Every week. Every week. What does does it say? And it basically says join our Connection Track. You're interested to be a part of Liberty Church. We'd love to connect our family. You can join uh, starting the first Sunday of every month. Uh, And so the first Sunday of every month, uh, it's a three-step class. Connect one, connect two, connect three. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we, we talk briefly about that every Sunday. And then as we are relationally connecting, of course, as new people are coming in, uh, we're putting information in their hands. So that, that, that mm-hmm. first-time guest, that new to Liberty mm-hmm. person we call them, they get a little gift bag, and there's right. a little card in there that talks about mm-hmm. our connection track, and right. we love. They send, uh, we get their uh, phone number. I personally send them a text message. Uh, and Kelly and I send them a text message and try to connect with them via text, uh, introduce them to our, our website, introduce them to our uh, church app, If they have an email, they go on an email list where, for the next seven weeks, they get a weekly email, uh, first one talking about connection track, getting connected, getting involved. Then we go into small groups, and then Mm -hmm. we go into different areas of ministry Mm -hmm. uh, as that's happening.
2: You know, I always tell our our people that when somebody walks through the door, there's only two options, either God sent them or the devil sent them. It's one or the other. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. And, and believing that, you know, hopefully 99% of them that God sent, right? <laughs> so if, if we really believe that and we don't have a net, yeah. not this, that we can throw over them, but that they could jump in. Absolutely. We're, we're really missing yeah. something here. Absolutely. So you made the statement starting out, a pretty strong statement. Okay. Might intimidate some people that, that a strong church, it, the, the prerequisite of a strong church is, are strong teams. Yeah. Uh, healthy, healthy, healthy,
1: healthy, strong teams. Yeah.
2: So just elaborate on that, like you, from your heart as a leader, yeah. I mean, cause you know, you've been very vulnerable and shared things with us. So, you know, how you've transitioned yeah. to some things. So I guess you've tried it other ways, tried it over. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fell down a lot. So, and, and still fall down, but, uh,
2: yeah, to me, I, I think
1: I, I've just seen over the years that, um, when, when our church is struggling, uh, or an area of ministry is struggling. I mean, typically, praise God, uh, when you have uh, a diversification, right? You've got multiple ministries going on in your church. Every church doesn't to have one ministry. We've got children's ministries, youth ministries, worship. And so you see you've got this diversified group of people in, in diversified ministries, and usually uh, all of them aren't struggling at the same time. But when I recognize that, hey, when we're struggling as a church, uh, and we're not seeing momentum. We're not seeing growth. Uh, I can begin to look across those seven pillars, and somewhere, wow, uh, we we're missing the mark. Uh, and so I got seven places to look.
2: <laughs> so that helps me because I'm That's pretty really simple. Good. So you're not you're not looking at like what what some demon is doing behind a cloud up there or something. You're yeah. you're looking right like. Like, this is where the leak yeah, is at.
1: Absolutely. Either either greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, or I'm going to pack up and go home. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I believe that it is absolutely uh, the lack of growth or momentum or any of those things in our church come, comes back to us. Uh, and so I just recognize we've got seven areas, seven key areas that define who we are as a church. And this is how we're winning souls, and this is how we're making disciples, and this is how we're destroying the works of the devil. So if those things are not happening, then there's a breakdown somewhere in our teams and what happens is as we all know life happens right and so to me one of the the most important things for me sitting down monthly with that leader one-on-one what's important about that is life happens and so sometimes I have a great leader that's going through a very difficult season and if I'm not intimately connected with them if I'm just high-fiving them on Sunday and say go get them tiger uh then, you know, uh, I, I don't know those things that are really happening. And and so we had a uh, lady led our children's ministry. She's now transitioned out, but late led our children's ministry for many years. Uh, several years ago, her 16-year-old daughter uh, died in a car accident. And so it was on Alabama-Auburn football day, Iron Bowl day for Alabama. So it's like a big day. A whole state celebrates it. And at halftime, they get the phone call, and at halftime, I get the phone call that uh, that their daughter had died and in a, a one-car accident. She ran off the road, and it killed her. And so uh, her and her husband, amazing people. And they, they, they I mean, they're, they're heroes in my heart because they stayed the course. I mean, I saw them grieve, but I saw them stay, pressed in, stay connected. and But every year, around October, November, I, I just knew that uh, that uh, Cindy's her name that that she was gonna she was gonna just have a little struggle and she was gonna uh, need some extra prayer, some extra support, and a little extra grace. And uh, so, uh, because we're relational and because we're in each other's lives, that opportunity's there. You know, so I'm not wondering. Of course, I mean, the death of the child is a pretty major thing. We couldn't miss that. But the realization is you've got families just going through stuff. Uh, we, we've got, praise God, like many churches, we've got a whole new batch of brand new babies. Uh, and I've got, I'm having younger and younger leaders, whoo, whoo, which is exciting, right? Because I'm intentionally trying to bring in younger and younger leaders. And, and so we're having to even make adjustments there, recognizing, um, man, they're, they're dealing with babies. They're dealing with toddlers. They're dealing, so, so even then, we don't lower the standard, but we adjust the support mm-hmm. that we're giving to those leaders so they can do their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've had to just make some adjustments yeah.
2: over the years doing yeah. that. Yeah, I have a saying, don't lower the standard, build a ramp. Amen. You know, don't don't change the vision, but help people get there, you know. And I, and get some people to help push them, roll them, roll them uphill Amen. a little bit. So that really brings me to the next question I wanted to ask you. So what, when you're obviously you're making a pretty big investment. I've watched yeah. you at work, and you, you do the work. I mean, yeah. you roll up your sleeves, you get with these people, you meet with them on a regular basis. So, in like, when, you, when you're saying, okay, I'm turning the follow-up ministry over to you, uh-huh. what time of time commitment are you looking for lengthwise? Like, do you want, like, the first week of the millennium, the rapture? <laughs> uh, I mean... Until Jesus comes Until back, Jesus, yeah. usually. Is, is, uh, well, it, it, all, it all
1: depends. So uh, for a uh, key, uh, one of our seven pillar leaders, um, you know, we set that person in with the idea that every year we're going to do an assessment. Uh, okay. That assessment is not hard and fast, but they know and I know, we kind of talk about that when they're coming in, that every year we're going to take an assessment of where we're at. And see, mm-hmm. is this still working? Is it still mm-hmm. working for you? Is it still working for me? Mm-hmm. Now, when we're when our leaders then are raising up leaders that are overseeing, follow up, or doing different things, um, it varies on commitment level. Uh, so sometimes we'll have people, you know, make a short term commitment. Sometimes we'll ask them to make a longer term commitment, mm-hmm. um, with the idea again that there's assessments along the way, because we really, at the end of the day, you want to make it. You really want to make an easy out. Mm-hmm. For you and for them Mm -hmm. so that when you do an assessment and you're talking about hey how are we you know where where are where we at in the ministry house things how are you doing you know Mm -hmm. um sometimes it gives them an easy out to step out of that thing and say well i'm really just not loving it anymore you know i don't Mm -hmm. feel like and again maybe there's a seasonal change and then it gives us an opportunity to say you know um you know we, we need to we need to make some adjustments here and it's not working on our side either Uh, And so let's talk about
2: what we need to do to make a transition. Okay, so in your seven key leaders that you're really building around, what does that turnover look like?
1: It is, uh, I would say, it's far and few between. Probably every, for children's and youth, that turns over more. Um, So we've had probably five, probably five, six youth pastors in 24 years. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had probably four or five children's uh, pastors Mm -hmm. in the 24 years of the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, My adult discipleship is the same. Uh, Worship ministry, we've had multiple worship leaders. Uh, One that's with us now has been with us for 15 years. Uh, But in the first nine years, we had... (laughs) <laughs> a couple went through the process yeah. there, and I, uh, and I
2: think that's a usual pattern. To yeah, you, to you build your process.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, missions Ministry has is, is been the same, um, wow. and so and we're we're probably looking at some transitions there, mm-hmm. um, and so okay. Celebrate Recovery, we've had uh, a change also. Two two past two Celebrate right. Recovery pastors, yeah. so we're on our second right now. Yeah.
2: So you understand that that's going to be part of it.
1: That's going to be part of it. Okay. Yeah. So you're
2: still willing to give people authority. Absolutely. And responsibility. Absolutely. Amen.
1: Because if we don't, at the end of the day, I become the lid
2: uh-huh.
1: that keeps everything from happening because I can be in one place at one time and, and I'm, I'm like, Pastor John, I'm, I have a small gift ability. So I want to empower people. Um, okay. We've got Nick and Ashley here in, in, with us today. He's They're our online campus pastors and oversee our online campus ministry, our creative teams. Just say that
2: again. I, I love this because I know Nick and Ashley and I ask them what they do. Right. T- say that term again. It's online campus pastor. They're, they're online. So they have a online ministry and Nick and Ashley, their job is to pastor those people yep. who are not physically present. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> How do you think of that? I mean, we're, yeah, well, we're, not, <laughs> we're not that smart. I'm sure that, you know, a lot everybody's doing you it. You keep so. saying but, that, Keith, but, but I don't uh, believe in you.
1: You know, <laughs> they, they, they also, of course, part of what they do is not just pastoring those people, but, of course, they're building teams yes. that are pastoring those people. And, yeah. and so under them comes our creative team, which has our social media, all of our uh, stuff that's happening through our app and our website, any kind of design stuff. Uh, so anything cool that happens in our church comes through them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> praise God
2: for that. Amen. Uh, Amen. So we got a couple minutes left. Does anybody have a question that you'd like to ask Pastor Keith? Ray? Pastor Ray?
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely! It's it's top. Yeah. Character is top. I mean, so you can't you can't you can't build on somebody that doesn't have character. Uh, so if I can't trust you to do what you said you're going to do, if your word doesn't have you know uh, value, and if there's not character and integrity in your life, then you're not even in the running for that position. Absolutely, absolutely. So I will say this: my takeaway from Pastor John yesterday is. Uh, identifying, uh, what he called high capacity leaders. And so I have, I have identified high capacity leaders, but what I realized for me, a missing link was, uh, I have not intentionally pursued high capacity leaders to the point where, uh, if they're a high capacity leader in the world, like he talked about, they're very successful on their job. Uh, but maybe they weren't spiritually mature. I kind of took a passive role. And waited for them to grow up. up. And I realized yesterday that was a blind spot in my life because here's a person who is a high-capacity leader that with some discipleship uh, and some intentional spiritual growth and input can, if they're willing, of course, grow into somebody that we could actually build upon Mm -hmm. uh, and that we could work with. I I have not done that. So I've had high-capacity leaders who are spiritually minded and, and have character and integrity that... You know that I've sought out, but if they lack that spiritual piece, I probably overlooked them. And I would say now I'm going to be looking at them a little deeper and figuring out what can I do. I wrote in my I wrote in my journal this morning uh, as I was reflecting over uh, yesterday's sessions. I wrote that even though they may never join my team as their pastor, if they're in my church as their pastor, I have a responsibility to spiritually disciple them. Joe Kelly. So I think we engage them, number one, hopefully, the first is, is that we're believing that they're going to experience God, right, as they come, and there's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit, number one, as you know. Um, number two, we're going to try to connect them into that process of just getting them in the life of the church. So I have what I call a connection question, and so I, this is how we kind of gauge people. Uh, the first part of that question is, is are you in a small group? And the second question is, are you on a ministry team? Because I feel like, as a pastor, if you're in a group and you're on a team, then you're connected at a life-giving level. Now, that may not be all you need, but that is a a life-giving place where you're in a group, so you're being discipled, you're building relationships, you're praying with people, you're studying the Word of God together, there's somebody sharpening you and challenging you, and then you're on a team where you are finding a place to begin to use your gifts. And, And part of that clearly defined process is... Is, is also having a path once they join a team. How do I progress up that team? How do I go from being an usher at the front door to being a small group leader to standing on the stage bringing, bringing, you know, bringing a prophetic word during worship? How do I? So we, we have a little process there too in place where people can progress. Uh, so when they come through our three week connection track, uh, they are, in our minds, able to serve, not necessarily minister. So we have our service areas of ministry, and every area of ministry has service spots where people can begin to serve. And then there's a process as they begin to serve, and we see that they are faithful and they are capable, and then they are fruitful, that we begin to work them through another process of helping them take those next steps to becoming
2: more of a leader. Yeah. You have to make a distinction between doing things and ministering to people, mm-hmm. You have to make that distinction uh, because that, most people are going to start out doing things yeah. as they mature and you trust them, and then you trust them with people. But, you know, Joe's question, listen to this. COVID has done us a favor. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you something. We've lost the people that wanted to be spectators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people coming into your churches, listen, this is ironic, lost people coming into your churches especially younger people coming to your churches, whether they even understand or not, even if it's subjective, I'm going to tell you this. I'm prophesying to you. They are coming because they want to do something and be a part of something, yep, not right. watch something.
1: Amen, that's right. Amen. Okay? Amen.
2: That question goes to the heart. Yep, and what you're doing is going to attract those people. They're going to say, I know where the train stops. I know where to get on it. I know where it's going. Hallelujah. And you know what's also good about that? If you get somebody that comes into your church that really doesn't fit, they're going to say, eh, I don't want to get on that train. And they're going to go somewhere else before they cause a train wreck.
0: Absolutely.
2: Okay. Amen. Another question. Pastor Frank.
1: So I meet once a month individually, and I meet once a month corporately. So
2: I do, yes. Yeah, And and, and I'm a big believer in that. I believe you need a, what I call an eyeball meeting yep. and a team meeting, one-on-one. Yep. Now, let's take a minute here because right. we talked about this right. a little bit. What do you do in those one-on-one meetings?
1: So the first thing I do is uh, I, I, I check on them. So I want to know, how are you? Before I want to know how's the ministry, I want to know, how are you? How's your marriage? You know, we have a lot of couples, you know, and so if we have a couple that's leading a ministry, when I'm sitting there, you know, I want to I wanna ask the wife, how's he doing? <laughs> and because uh, the husband lies. And he says, man, the family's good and the money's good. And the wife says, the family ain't good and the money ain't good. So you got to talk to the wife to get the truth. But, but really I check on the people. I want to know, how are you? What's, what's going on? How's the kids How's You know? And so I'm a, I've learned to be a good note taker. So I'm taking notes as I'm talking to each of them. And so I'm writing down, Hey, we we got to, there's a special need in their family. They got an issue with a child. Maybe they're going through a financial thing. Um, I I just got uh, talking to Kelly, my wife last night uh, or yesterday. Um, found out about a need in one of our leaders at our Holly Pond campus that I don't know that I'm aware I'm not aware of and I don't know that Pastor Ian's aware of and uh, so something that just recently happened and so you know I, I'm we're, we're, we're already process, processing that because number one at the end of the day people matter and and I want our people to know that that you matter. this is a kind of bold crazy statement you matter more than the ministry matters even though the ministry matters more than you. <laughs> so you matter. And so I want, I want that person to know you matter. Now, the ministry matters too, so if you can't do what we're asking you to do, then we might have to get somebody else to do the ministry. But you matter as an individual. You matter as a person, and your family matters, and we want to, number one, I want to help you. So I start out with that, and then the last thing I do, and then, and then I transition the meeting to them. So then after that first 10, 15 minutes of how are you and we're small talking, checking on the family, all those things, then the meeting goes to them and they bring the agenda because I'm helping them now build the ministry that I've empowered them to build. And again, they're not needing my permission, but what they do need is they need my insight. They they need my discernment, my direction. They need my leadership. And so I want to bring that to the table with them. And so then they bring the agenda and they tell me what we're going to talk about. And then I ask questions, and then the last thing I do after we're we're making plans, we're talking through these things, and then the last thing I do before we leave, I say, is there anything else you need from me? Is there anything else you need from me? Because I feel like my job as a leader, just like their job as a leader, I want to empower them Mm -hmm. and resource them to have everything they need to do what I'm asking them to do. And so I want to know what do you need from me? And maybe maybe they need me to make a phone call maybe maybe they need you know it could be a wide variety of things
2: so let me ask you a question okay do those leaders resent that meeting do they try to get out of that meeting do they not show up for that meeting do they complain about that meeting they enjoy that meeting that's my
1: experience yeah. too yeah they enjoy that meeting they they enjoy that the, again it's relational there's a personal connection what they know we care about them uh, and so they enjoy that meeting um mm-hmm. uh, they fight sometimes to get to the corporate meeting, uh, but they are more intentional to the individual meeting, and and we, we, you know, we ask them to be at the corporate meeting,
2: so. Yeah. So, to follow up on Pastor Frank's question, what happens in the corporate meeting then? So, you get your seven leaders and their spouses, you know, their I guess. their spouses, of course, we invite. And are meeting, probably more, a little formal in the church now. A little more so. formal, we're meeting, so we, we actually do it on, uh,
1: typically, it's the third Sunday of every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet after church at one o'clock, and we provide lunch. So again, we we spend the first thirty minutes we're eating fellowship, and everybody's talking, and we're just talking, hanging out for thirty minutes. And then typically, then we go into uh, we're going to celebrate some wins. Uh, we're going to talk about some good things that are happening. Uh, we're going to look at the calendar. We're going to talk about what's coming. We're going to cast some vision. Uh, we're going to do some nuts and bolts. Uh, if we do a if we do a church-wide event, and we do several church-wide events every year, uh, we do some outreach events that are church-wide that we engage our whole body in. And so when that happens, everybody around that table gets involved. And so everybody has a delegated responsibility of you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this. And, doing this. and we're all going to work together because we're doing a community-wide outreach, and uh, we want to represent who we are as Liberty Church to our community.
2: Oh, so you just threw a nugget out there. Okay. So you're saying, you're meeting with that team, and you're looking at your calendar, especially church-wide events, that those people are giving input into mm-hmm. that whole absolutely. what's going to happen. Yep. They're buying in at that They're level. buying in.
1: They're giving, bringing their wisdom. So they're not hearing insight. about
2: that you and the elders decided this, right. and you're informing them on Sunday morning. Gotcha. Now, there is some
1: we've decided this, and yep. this I'm informing you. So there's yep. there's absolutely some of that that happens. Uh-huh. But we definitely have some good feedback. We have It's an opportunity for... For inside and hey this is what we did last time it didn't work <laughs> anybody got a great idea you know we're talking about those things and making adjustments there amen
2: so here's the deal that message like all, every other band of brother message is still on the website i would i would encourage you to get keith's message amen okay we're out of time we got what how many here James, you do. Can, can we throw one thing up we have a qr code on the screen
1: so Pastor Keith asked me to take this teaching and put it in a book form. So we've got an ebook; It's 55 pages. that highlights all of this stuff with a little more detail. Uh, and you can get that book absolutely free. So there you go.
0: For more information on our annual conferences, including our leadership conference, women's conference, men's conference, youth leader intensive, and youth camps and conferences, visit nrpastors.com. To check out all of our podcasts, including the Leadership and Context podcast by Keith Tusi, the Flourish Women's podcast by Penny Tusi, and the podcast for all of our conferences, click on the podcast tab on our website. We can't wait to see you at one of our conferences soon.